You know how the word icon gets thrown around quite a bit these days? Well, I'm going to do some throwing around of that word myself today. Why? Because I have an icon on the program. I really do. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast, the icon edition. Check this out. of Peter Hook and The Light, a band which features my guest today on the program, The Light. No, I'm kidding. It's Peter Hook. Peter Hook is really here today. Let me tell you a little bit about Peter Hook. All right, let's be honest. There's nothing about Peter Hook that I can tell you that you probably don't already know. So let's just do a refresher run through his musical CV. In the late 70s, Peter Hook formed Joy Division with his childhood pal Bernard Sumner after the two friends saw the Sex Pistols play in Manchester. Joy Division put out only two albums, and one of those albums, the legendary Closer, was put out two months after the band had ceased to be, due to the suicide of singer Ian Curtis on the eve of Joy Division's debut U.S.-Canada tour. Renamed New Order and consisting of the remaining members of Joy Division plus keyboardist Gillian Gilbert, New Order effortlessly blended jittery post-punk rhythms with dance music, and the result? Well, you know the result. They were one of the biggest bands of the 80s, spawning hits like True Faith, Love Vigilantes, The Perfect Kiss, Subculture, and Blue Monday, which, by the way, was the biggest-selling 12-inch of all time. It might still be. Now, New Order dominated the 80s, but the 90s weren't too shabby. They had a number one UK hit with World in Motion in 1990, They had their biggest U.S. hit with Regret in 1993, and they kept crushing it, putting out Get Ready in 2001, collaborating with Billy Corgan and Bobby Gillespie of Primal Scream. They were given the Godlike Genius Award at the 2005 NME Awards, and they got nominated for a Grammy in 2006 for Guilt is a Useless Emotion. Then things, how do you say it, got a bit sour, with Peter Hook leaving the band in 2007 and forming his own outfit, Peter Hook and the Light, a band which featured his son, Jack, and, much to his fans' delight, revisited the Joy Division and New Order songbooks. As for his split with New Order and his boyhood pal Bernard, well, we don't have time to go over the legal end of that dissolution, so let's just say this. If you're hoping for a reunion, you're wasting all your good hope energy. Not going to happen. Over the course of his winning career, Peter Hook has worked with Gorillaz, The Stone Roses, and Perry Farrell, 
He toured with the Derudi column, put out albums with Revenge and Monaco, and wrote one of the best music books ever, Substance, Inside New Order. If you haven't read it, read it. It's amazing. Now, all that I just told you, it's a partial list. Actually, it's kind of a partial, partial list. Because when it comes to Peter Hook, there's a lot of ground to cover. But what I gave you is just the basics. Do a deeper dive after you hear the show. The guy is a titan. As a bassist, he plays with an authoritative blend of prowl and sting. And frankly, he's one of the all-time greats. So let's get to it. Here's me and Peter Hook having a conversation right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. thing about moving from Joy Division to New Order is, is that I did sort of have the feeling that I would stop doing Joy Division and concentrate on New Order. You know, that seemed logical. But a lot of people have been asking for the, the different sets. And um, to be honest with you, seeing as one of my complaints about New Order before they reformed as New Order um, <laughs> was that we didn't play enough songs you know, different songs. So I thought, well, I can't contradict myself and do the same thing. So really what happens now is, is that if a promoter like at Riot Fest has asked for a more punky Joy Division set, you can do either. And we also now do an electronic set of just dance songs. So, yeah, I'm getting a, quite a few um, uh, arrows in my quiver. As you move from Joy Division to New Order and, and back and forth again, after all these years, are there differences in the songs, or elements at least, that are revealing themselves that, that weren't there before? Well, I mean, the thing is, is that I enjoy it so much, and I am aware of the differences now, which is interesting. It's interesting going from Joy Division from Unknown Pleasures Closer. We played all the tracks on Still as well, and then we went into Movement, uh, and then Power Corruption Lies. And it, it does, you can actually hear and feel the difference. You know, movement is very much Joy Division music with uh, New Order vocals. When you get to Power Corruption and Lies, it's New Order music with New Order vocals. You know, there, there is a, a stylish change. You can feel the, the, the difference as well. So, no, I mean, it's good to do both. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. Last week, we played um, a New Order electronic set, which included some Joy Division songs, Isolation and... Uh, decades. Uh, we also played before that. We played a closer concert. Um, this week, tomorrow, we're doing the New Order albums, and then the day after that, I'm doing a Joy Division gig in France. So I'm getting to um, revel in all, you know, the different styles. It's fantastic. It's exactly what I wanted to do when before New Order split. Musically, both bands have their separate intensities. Um, is one more exhausting to play than the other? Well, yeah, I mean, you know what? It, it, the, the odd thing is, is that I find the Joy Division music much more exhausting than the, the New Order music. 
Um, because, especially when you get into power production in the lives, you actually do get quite a lot of time off while the sequencer is taking the burden, ah. <laughs> shall we say. <laughs> Uh, and there's plenty of drinking time and sitting time and smoking time, as it turns out. And so it's quite it's quite weird. You know, the Joy Division is much more intense, uh, without a doubt, than the, the New Order stuff. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to be able to see and feel the differences. And it's also what's been great, actually, is to realise what a fantastic record movement is. You know, the vocals are very tentative. We're also very unconfident, but they have a charm nonetheless. And, you know, the biggest problem we had on movement, to be honest with you, was that Martin hated our three voices. <laughs> Is that right? He really didn't like it. Yeah, I mean, he mixed Ian in, in that way more than any of us. You know, he, he, was, he was just like um, beside himself that he had this fantastic musical group that had lost their fantastic lyricist and singer. And instead of these three idiots, as he puts it, wobbling away in the background. <laughs> you know, he, he was a difficult process with Martin, that record. But playing it live, the vocals are good. You know, all, all you needed really was the confidence and experience of 30 years to pull it off. Uh, and that's what, you know, I've finally got. And I'm, I'm really enjoying playing movement. I must admit, there's some wonderful, wonderful... Uh, <laughs> The, uh, the bass, drums, and guitar. But if Martin didn't like any of your voices, then what was his solution? His solution was to um, get himself an even bigger drug habit. <laughs> uh, he couldn't offer a solution. You know, so... he, he didn't offer solutions. He, he, he wasn't like that, really. He just hated us. You know? I mean, I think he hated the fact that he had gone. Right. And he, he sort of took it out on us because we were trying to carry on that bit. I don't know. You know, I mean, I don't have the luxury of being able to ask him that, do I? Right, right. Um, it's sad in itself, but, you know, I mean, the thing is, is that he wasn't much help. And the reason we got rid of Martin when we came to do um, uh, Temptation was for that reason. He, you know, he, he just wasn't making life easy for us. He was making life much more difficult. I remember seeing Peter Hook and the Light live years ago, and it was the first time I saw you with the new band. And you were singing, and I thought, wow, th these songs just seem bigger and stronger and more intense than ever. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, I won't say it was easy. Um, it took me about six months at least uh, before I had the, um, what shall we say, the, uh, the, the grip of it and the confidence in myself, really, to actually feel that you, you were doing it justice and it, I've had a few very, very shaky, shall we say, moments um, on stage. It's, it's just about getting used to it. You know, I mean, I've not sang on my own for so long uh, since Monaco that it, it does take a hell of a lot of getting used to. And I must admit that when I do start to sing, I do get a little bit of um what what's the word what's the word i do understand why singers are so difficult shall i say <laughs> because i'm a bass player by trade and I, i've had to become a singer because when, when i started joy division stuff nobody would sing it i couldn't get anyone to, uh, to sing it you know nobody had shall we say the balls as we say in uh to do it you know we were all too worried about the internet criticism 
they were detract from trying to take over me in Curtis. And it was Rowetta from Happy Mondays who said to me, Bucky, stop messing about, you're going to have to do it. Uh, and it was like that. And then from there, obviously, the quite natural progression was to go into the New Order stuff. And my actual uh, hope is to be able to play every song I've ever written um, before I uh, retire, shall we say. <laughs> I hope that never happens. I hope you never retire, Peter. Well, funnily enough, some mornings I hope it never happens, and other mornings I can't wait for it to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get it. I get it. You know, I think time has shown that the Joy Division and New Order songbooks are incredibly durable in a kind of like, a, I don't know, like a cross-generational kind of way. So you've got fans that are my age who grew up with you, and then you've got like 17 and 18-year-olds in the audience as well. To be honest with you, they're, they're, they're actually younger. They're even younger, they're wow. Than that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've had nine-year-old, 10-year-old, 11, 12-year-old kids all coming to see you. Most of them are the parents, obviously. Uh, that have got into the music through their parents. And I must admit, I thought, like you, that when we started playing the Joy Division stuff, I did feel that the audience would be full of fat old blokes like me. <laughs> uh, that was not true, you know. I mean, there, there's a hell of a lot of youngsters there that are hearing it for the first time, that are happy to hear it for the first time. And I, I think that, that was what gave me the idea of playing the records, you see, because most people, most young people, when they come to... Um, listen to your music. They only listen to the record. There's very little of Joy Division live. Uh, and in a funny way, I suppose there's actually quite a li little of New Order live as well. So, uh, you know, from movement from the early period. So you are actually giving them, um, uh, shall we say, a much more polished <laughs> version. Uh, New Order in 1980, 81 and 82 that I've been looking at. My God, we were so shaky. Uh, it doesn't, you wouldn't even say that three of them were in Joy Division. You know, Joy Division were a much stronger band. It, it's fairly obvious, really, how um, much we were sh shaken to the core by Ian's death. Because you, you, you look like you're just beginning. You, you know, you wouldn't look at those three players um, in New Order and go, oh my God, you know, they, they were in Joy Division. No, no, no. We, this whole, we, we were so shaky live. And it really gave you confidence of battery. The records were good. But live, you, you were really learning right from the bottom again. You know? Is that something that you guys realized at the time or, or not so much? No, I don't. I think that you, you, you we, we were all desperate to carry on without a shadow of a doubt. And the thing was, is that basically what Rob Gretton said was just, let's get on with it. Get on with it. Come on. You know, get going. And, and we did, you know, and it, we ignored all things Joy Division for a long, long time. Uh, and I think that that was what was the odd thing about when New Order split up in 2006 and you were on the outside. I, I kept thinking to myself, why haven't we celebrated more to do with Joy Division? And also the thought struck me because of the way that Bernard and Stephen did have a reluctance to playing any of the older songs. Why are we ignoring the older songs? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, you've got so many to choose from. Uh, it seems such a shame to me. And it was one of the problems I had with the others in New Order. I felt that we were, we were acting very safe. We were very limited set list. And we changed very little. It, it was becoming a bit of a bore, to be honest. You know, I mean, and so it was such contrast to how we used to be when we began. We were changing the set every night. 
you know, and it was quite exciting. But I suppose you 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 do change over the years. I suppose you you you, you have to acknowledge that. I always thought that you know that everybody in bands must love each other forever. Um, but but well, that's, that's the image. That's the image. It's quite interesting. You know, now with with new older that they um, <laughs> try and portray it as if they're all happy families and it was me that was the problem. Um, it reminds me of those actresses that join a soap opera and they sit on the couch when they're doing their interview and say, oh, yes, we're all getting on so well. We're all <laughs> so fond of each other on the set. And you just know it's a lot of bollocks, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, because... I mean, no, I mean, the thing is, is that the, the it's the... The chemistry in a group, it's usually those little rough edges where people do have to bump along together that give groups their energy. You know, and the Smiths did have a fantastic energy and a fantastic edge between Mark and Morrissey, backed up by the edge that you had with Mike Joyce and Andy Rourke. You know, and the thing is, is that when you take that away, Morrissey's band just do whatever he says. Right. You know, it's obvious that in the Smiths, Johnny Marr wouldn't do what Morrissey said, and that gave them their edge, didn't it? It's like in New o- New Order, I wouldn't do what Bernard wanted, he wouldn't do what I wanted. It gave you an abrasion that made your music interesting and sparky, whereas now in New Order, he's got exactly what he wanted all along, which is a bass player who does it, he's told, and they are a little bit boring for that. And there's no tension. And that, and no that, tension at right. all, I mean, you know, I suppose in age, as you get older, there are times in your life when you yearn for there to be no tension. <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, the tension in my body I have is with my son. Uh, because he's my son, he won't do what I say. I've, I've, I've unwittingly got myself the tension um, back. And, you know, speaking of cross-generational, it must be pretty cool to have your kid on stage with you. I mean, he's he's a grown man, but it must be cool have that guy there oh, it's, it's great to him to be there because in all honesty he is the nearest thing to me playing bass that anyone is ever going to get and I must admit he's fitted in very well he plays very very much like me he even plays a six string bass like me uh, and you've really got the specialness you know I mean even if I say it myself one of the special things about New Order was the relationship between Bernard and the bass and, you know, what, what surprised me about the, the new bass player, so-called, in, in New Older, is that he doesn't use the right guitars. So he doesn't get the right sound. So it's an interpretation of what you used to do. And I mean, and when I listen to it, I, I, I think it's a, it's a worse interpretation. Maybe they're at that stage in the lives where they want that. But when I listen to it, it doesn't sound like New Order. It sounds a bit odd. I know there's no relationship anymore between you and Bernard, um, but how do you appraise him as a musician? Can you be objective? Um, how would you rate him, for example, say, as a guitar player? I, I think he's as good as. And this is one of the things that actually made me um, feel funny about him with electronic. Because to my mind and to my taste, I prefer Bernard's guitar playing to Johnny's. I mean, that that's... He plays much differently to Johnny Marr. And I and I like it. Uh, and I, I used to say to Bernard, you know, I still think electronic would have been better if you'd played guitar, <laughs> just because I like his style, which is obvious, isn't it, really? You know, but he is a fantastic guitarist and always has been, and it's wonderful to do movement and realize how great the guitar is on it. 
And to do power production in life, and although there's not much guitar on power production in life, the guitar that is there on Leave Me Alone, on Ecstasy, on KW1 is fantastic guitar. It's wonderful to be reminded of that. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of why I used to love him. <laughs> <laughs> now I just hate him. <laughs> but I used to love him. I still respect his playing in the same way that I respect Stephen's playing. You know, Stephen is a wonderful, wonderful drummer. Fantastic. You know, the, the drums that he played on Joy Division and the early New Order stuff were, were amazing. He really is a, a master of his art. I'm not a musician, so I don't understand these things. So is, is Bernard better than Marr in a technical sense? No, I don't think it's about that. I mean, Bernard just has a gift of, of doing the, something that's not quite obvious. You know, I mean, Bernard was untutored. Uh, he learned with me in punk at 21. Uh, Johnny Marr is a different... He was tutored, wasn't he, Johnny? And he learned to play the guitar very early, about seven or eight years old or something. Ah. He's what you'd call a technical guitarist. He's very, very good technically, where I think Bernard is more melodic and um, his style is quite unusual, I think, Bernard's. I mean, if you listen to the way his use of the way on lead guitar, the way he'll play the lead guitar riff in a low key and then go in high key, you know, octave it. It, that's a very unusual um, style. And his, his playing did get fantastic. I mean, if you listen to the middling New Order stuff, where you get like Shame of the Nation, you know, as it is and when it was, and songs like that, his guitar is absolutely amazing. The layering that he did with the rhythm and the lead parts is wonderful. And I, to be honest with you, I can't wait to get to it to play Low Life and Brotherhood, which we will be doing next year. You know, it will, will be a wonderful moment because it does have some of my most favourite songs. Just for fun, and because I'm a huge Stone Roses fan, but where does John Squire fit in between Bernard and Marr? Like, what do you think of him? John Squire's a fantastic guitarist, but to me, his solos are uh, too long. He, he's a bit, he, he's inspired, obviously, by Led Zeppelin. Uh, and I sort of prefer his simpler stuff. The first LP, to me, I thought he was excellent on great, fantastic guitar. And the second one, he seemed to get a little bit, what's the word, self-indulgent. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But, I mean, he is a fantastic guitarist and a, a, a very nice man. I know Manchester has changed so much, but in those early albums, were you guys aware of the of the feel of the city, and did the sound and the feel show up in the songs on purpose? Definitely subconsciously, there is the feel and the sound of the city. I mean, Bernard and I had grown up there for 21 years. We were um, forever knocking around town. You know, you watch the whole place come up, and get torn down and get rebuilt. It had to have an effect on you. It was quite a grim place in the 70s, Manchester. It was coming to the end of its um, its manufacturing uh, heyday of the cotton. And it was very polluted, very dark and very grey and very old-fashioned. So there was a lot of rebuilding at the end of the 70s, going into the 80s. You you did really have a rebirth of Manchester. And I think that that's reflected in music. You know, there there, there is a heaviness and an intensity in Georgia Vision that suits the 70s. But then, when you were in the group, New Order didn't suit the 80s. The 80s are lighter, um, I suppose you'd say more melodic, more forward-looking, certainly more interesting and uh, quite innovative as well, the 80s. And I think New Order sort of mirrored that as well, in a way. 
I mean, thinking about Joy Division, yeah, the lyrics are dark, but the music has a bleakness that must have been reflecting what you were seeing around you in the city. Yeah, I mean, I think there's also, you know, considering we were just coming out of our teens, we were still struggling to find out what we wanted to do. You went into punk, which was very nihilistic, and very, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't like punk, was it? It was it was very inward looking. It was very angry and very bitter, and it was all about getting rid of everything round it and just it was a bit me 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 punk. And I think that you did get drawn into that anger that you felt at the world that you everybody feels. I think as they're in the teens, struggling to find out what they want to do next. You know, what's my life going to be like? I think it does have an effect on you, and it did have an effect on us. And that coupled with the greyness and the blackness of Manchester and Salford. I think, you know, you created the perfect soundtrack for the city with Joy Division, without a doubt. The Stone Roses, um, our, our Manchester, you know, I mean, the Stone Roses came from Manchester, which was a coming together of Acid House and Rock in the Hacienda with the Happy Mondays, James, in Spiral Carpets, Stone Roses, groups like The Farm. It was a combination of dance, dancey rhythms, brightness, and rock, traditional rock formats. So, I mean, the, the, the Roses were in a, quite a bright time in the 90s uh, in England's history, I'd say. And you, Joy Division were at a very dark time. The thing is, you, you do have to bear in mind with Joy Division as well, is that we, we, we never really got beyond being a very small group. You know, the biggest audiences we were going to play to would probably be in America, which would have been two, three hundred, four hundred people. You know, we, we, we were a very small group and it was a struggle and it was difficult. You know, I mean, you, you, you had no money. It was very uncomfortable. You were supporting a lot of bands and you were treated badly. So, you know, the scowls were there for a reason. Not the happiest of subjects, but I understand that your, your friendship with Bernard is over. But it must be kind of a sad thing not to have him as a musical comrade. Yeah, I mean, it is, because I think that what happens, especially when you're fighting, as we are, over the use of the New Order name, you get a lot of miscommunication. Uh, everything's done through lawyers and managers, and really, everybody says, you know, if the two of you could sit down, I'm sure you could sort it out, and you probably could. It's the miscommunication that causes much more problems. The fact that you're not together actually causes a hell of a lot more problems, and not be, you know, you can't talk to each other. I mean, it was a simple differing of opinion. Really, you know, all the this whole thing stemmed from me saying we split and him saying I left. And that's where this whole, you know, huge mountain has erupted out of that simple thing. He won't accept that the group split. Me and him started the group. Once me and him start working together, that was the end of it. It was only me and him that enabled get ready and waiting for the siren's call to be finished. Uh, so it was mainly me and him. Right, and the thing is, is that when me and him aren't working together, in my opinion, there's no new order. I understand that Bad Lieutenant was a bit of a flop. <laughs> yeah. Maybe his pension fund has taken a knock. <laughs> but the thing is, is that I, I wouldn't have minded them going out as new order if they'd have asked me, you know, to, to be not asked or notified and have the business side of it taken away from you. Uh, without your knowledge or consent, I think is pretty low. Yeah, and and hard to I'm forget. I'm not too sure that's how people like their musicians to be that low. 
They've managed to stick to that with a lack of communication. They won't talk to me about it. They've just gone off and done it. They're pretending to be you ordering my hands. I remember years ago when the Stone Roses got back together again, and I, you know, they had that press conference, and I was just so moved to see them together in the same room. It doesn't seem like that's a possible outcome with you and Bernard. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that you you have to have an amicable split before you can wish them well. You know what I mean? I mean, they. I, how could I wish them well when they've taken something from me that they have no right to take from me? And again, done without your knowledge or consent is lower than lowest snide. Yeah. You know, it, it, they, they've taken it away from you without consulting you. It's, it's the worst possible thing anybody could do to anybody. It's like someone locking you out of your house and pushing a tent through the letterbox and then going, well, I know you paid for this and set it up and everything, but here's somewhere for you to live. Ah. What do you think about that? <laughs> You're not going to shout through the letterbox, well, I hope you're happy in my house. I guess. <laughs> You fucking snivy bastards is what you're going to shout through the letterbox. You know, this is wrong. You need to sort things out. I mean, for, for any split to be amicable, everybody has to be happy. And then you can go, well, you know, we had a great time. Good luck. We don't agree. We're not going to be together, but at least we can wish each other luck. And that, to me, is the only way forward. And they refuse to enter into it. That's heartbreaking. Um, it's, it's... Well, and... and many other things breaking I'm still seeking a legal remedy to it which I'm I'm hoping will come to fruition very soon in 2013 Bernard said the new New Order material was sounding like Sgt. Pepper's which was weird personally and he did say that it would be an electronic album and I thought well it will be because that's what electronic sounded like New Order without the bass (laughs) that's right that's true I mean why why you would say it'd be like Sgt. Pepper's does amuse me I mean, you know, in in all honesty, the the fact that Bernard and I were the closest we've ever been actually on Get Ready. We we really were the closest we've ever been since we started, uh, and it was a very satisfying process. That what happened then was, was that after Get Ready, he wouldn't tour again. So all the work you put into making the LP, you felt doubly frustrated. A because it didn't sell because of the internet, and B you weren't able to play it. You know, it was quite frustrating. Then again, we did wait for the sirens call, and it was very much me and him again. Phil Cunningham was um, some help, I must admit. Uh, Steve Morris was reluctant to play. Uh, he would only play with the producer, which was right at the end when all the songs were written. So it was an odd, um, it was an odd atmosphere on that record. So for him to go on writing now, he's going to need somebody else to write with. So whether Tom and the Chemical Brothers is the one, and I hope he is, and I'm a great fan of his work. I think that could be great, but, you know, it will not be New Order. Right. I don't know what Bernard counts New Order as, because to me, New Order was always new. We started it with Steve, I must admit, you know, it was the three of us that started New Order, me, Steve, and Bernard, and um, towards the end, it was very much me and Bernard that, that were doing all the work. So, I mean, it's, it's hard. You know, they, they try and put forward the image that they're much happier without you and it isn't going to affect the group at all. But that's that happy image that all groups have to put, up, put forward. Yeah, and we and we, we buy it. We You know, uh, the public always thinks... Well, that, uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose, you know, the, the last thing you want to admit. And, and really, it shouldn't colour the music. You know, I mean, the thing is, is that the arguments do colour the music and that's sad. Uh, and I must admit, it's made me very happy playing New Order music 
just to get it back. You know, I was watching them not playing Temptation and playing Blink and going, ah, you fuckers, fuck. You know, and even though I was playing Joy Division stuff and really enjoying it, I felt like, you know, someone had stolen my lighter. Right. <laughs> I was watching them light their cigarettes with it, you know what I mean? Uh, and it, so to play it again was great to get it back. And so, you know, it's like getting the kids for the weekend, isn't it? In a <laughs> yeah, I've got the kids for this weekend at this festival. You've got the kids for that weekend. But, I mean, I take exception with them pretending to be New Order. They, they are not New Order. I saw you talking recently about how great it is to be playing the old stuff. What makes it so great? Because it actually feels like new stuff. You know, if you look at most of Joy Division's material, it's completely ignored by all of us for 30 years. Most of New Order's material has been ignored by us for 20-odd years. So I'm playing these songs, and they feel like you've written them yesterday. Uh. And the wonderful thing is they actually sound like they were written yesterday. They still sound so current and so powerful. They really do stand up, and movement, to play movement live has been a revelation because it sounds like a fantastic record live. What it's lacking on the record is the strength and an experience to the vocals. So, well, you know, and I, I feel like now you can give it that. And it does, it sounds great. Hey, it was really great to talk to you, to catch up with you. Uh, looking forward to seeing you the next time you come out to San Francisco. Well, come and tell me if I made the, the right decision. <laughs> hey, Peter, a real pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for taking the time. And you, mate. You take care of yourself. You too, pal. you go peter hook uh, a fabulous guy fabulous player and i don't mind saying an icon yeah people throw that word around a lot like i was telling you at the top of the show i think to be an icon you got to be over you got to be over 40 this thing where like uh they're declaring uh certain people i'm not going to name names it's like so and so uh is a fashion icon and i'm like they're 19 uh, you know, so-and-so is a, a musical icon. He's 22. Let's not throw that around. You got to earn it. Peter Hook, he earned it. Go see him live. Peter Hook and the Light are going to be on the road for the foreseeable future. It's true. They're on the road, like, for the rest of the year, it looks like. Uh, the UK dates, a lot of them are sold out. Coming to the US in August. Check it out. Peter Hook and the Light dot live. All the information you need to know about Peter Hook and his various road travels are there. AlexGreenOnline.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with me. Want to follow me on Twitter? Please do it at Ember's Editor or on Instagram at Ember's Podcast or just email me, editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Visit BombshellRadio.com to find out what's happening with our radio station. And don't forget, Stereo Embers the Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe. Rate, review, rinse, repeat. You know the drill. Let's close the show with Peter Hook and the Light performing Age of Consent live on the Power, Corruption, and Lies tour of 2013. Live in Dublin. Enjoy it right here, and thank you as always for listening. To Stereo Embers, the podcast only right here 
on Bombshell Radio. Steady on, steady on. You know, we've got ages to go yet. Anyway, this is uh, for all of you and even you.